Welcome back to PageCast. Today we're joined by Dr. Uhuru and Jennifer Makumbi, and they'll be talking about Jennifer Makumbi's latest novel, The First Woman. The First Woman is an intoxicating mix of Ugandan folklore and modern feminism that will linger in the memory long after the final page. We are so lucky to have Jennifer in South Africa as a fellow at the Stellenbosch Institute of Advanced Studies. We hope you thoroughly enjoy this episode as Jennifer and Dr. Uhuru take us on a captivating journey with them. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to PageCast. My name is Uhuru Palafala. I am a poet and a scholar. I'm sitting here today with the wondrous Jennifer Makumbi, and we will be discussing her fabulous, fabulous novel, The First Woman. So I just want to begin by saying, Jennifer, welcome. Thank you. Thank you but for having me. Yeah, I begin with peculiar compliments. You got me in trouble. Today. <laughs> when PageCast reached out mm-hmm. to ask me to be in conversation with you, I immediately said yes. Thank you. Because I felt like you and I have already had a conversation. I felt like I already <laughs> know you because of the nature of your novel. It's Ah. so fabulous that when I read it the first time, I thought I was sitting with any of the women in my family, my mother, my aunt, my sister, and I high-fived with you. I laughed scandalously with you. I gossiped with you. (laughs) So when uh, this opportunity came, I was like, yes. And then I realized, listen, wait. You haven't met her yet. (laughs) (laughs) It might feel like you have, but you haven't. So I want to welcome you with that uh, peculiar compliment. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Horo, because you can imagine when I was writing it, because it feels like it's oral, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was having a conversation with Africa. Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation with uh, the little girl who's 15 years old, the way I was when I was 15 years mm-hmm. old and had all these feelings. I was having a conversation with the woman that I am, with my mother, with my grandmother and my aunts, all of those people. But I was also having a conversation with my son, mm-hmm. with my father, with my brother, with my grandfather. And I wanted to say, look, this is how it feels to be in this body that we call a woman. Mm. So if you felt like that, then I succeeded. Mm. <laughs> That's one of the biggest compliments you could possibly give to me. So thank you very much, world. You're so welcome. Thank you for yes. this novel. And I'm glad that you began there with the oral features of the novel. Yes. Certainly, yes. I hear it. Yeah. And I change my posture and my position just to kind of receive the storytelling. In many ways, it feels like the novel itself is a praise poem to on our traditions and storytelling. Oh, yes. There is something oh, yes. about the way it is written and the opening, of course, yeah. that signals that storytelling will be central here and yes. we have to 
gather around mm -hmm. and try ourselves to receive this wonderful story that's about to unfold. Yes, that is true. I'm all for all African traditions. I was lucky that when I did my first degree, it was in education and I was going to teach English and literature. Mm -hmm. But for the English course, no, for the literature art, we were introduced to oral African traditions as the history of African literature. Because every literary world has its history. A lot of people have it in Shakespeare, in yes. Dante, but I have my literary history in myth, legends, mm -hmm. in folk tales. This is what my ancestors left behind. Mm -hmm. And I was going to hold to make a bridge between those two and say, okay, there is this novel, mm -hmm. but this is where I come from. And for me, uh, I had to carry that with me to show how it has influenced me. Because that's where I started as a mm -hmm. child, with my grandfather, uh, with um, the kids at home, mm -hmm. you know. So it was really important that I take stories, but also, when I did this course, I was told that all these texts, these stories that we took as childish stories, they are real oh, yeah. texts Absolutely. and very deep. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they can be read from all kinds of ways. So I took a feminist reading of these uh, stories in my book. Then you can do a queer reading, you can do a masculine mm -hmm. reading. And they are incredible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was told that most of them are coded. So you mm -hmm. have to decode. Mm -hmm. They are exceedingly tough. Mm -hmm. So uh, th that opening, when I open, I, you are being told a story. A child is telling a story. But that story is talking to you. Mm -hmm. It's probably until you come to the end that you realize, oh my God, so this is what she was saying. Mm -hmm. But when she's a child, she doesn't know. Or mm -hmm. your, your only hint is that the family reacts in a funny way to her storytelling. Mm -hmm. But also in the middle, when you meet these indigenous feminists, mm -hmm. She, she, you know, she brings her different types of stories and she trusts you because the girl, child, is unable to tell what is going on in those stories. But you, the reader, you can say, oh my God, you know, so this is what these stories are doing. And they are inviting you to go back to your own stories right. and say, hang on a minute, what did my grandmother leave behind for me? Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying, that you are invited in participating in the unfolding saga. It's not just a matter of, you know, viewing the novel as this patient and you're the doctor and there's a distance between the two of you. Um, it's that you are, you are involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in that way, because that is, that is the way of uh, storytelling in our culture. In that way, I want to compliment you and say you're a good custodian and steward of this tradition. I feel immensely proud of the work that you were able to achieve in this novel. Oh, thank you. Thank you again. I remember reading the New York Times and I came across a book review by Salman Rushdie 
and the opening oh, line yeah. just stood out for me and I'll never forget. Oh, did I dance around the house? Okay. <laughs> did I dance around the house when my publisher sent me? I said, Someone rushing over there. I've made it. I've made it, Mama. I've made it. He wrote there something is happening in African literature. The women are coming. Yes. I was like, oh, yes, 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 yes. And of course, you know, what he points out there and what we observe is this turn in African literature. Yes. Where there are um, women authors who are writing the nation in these epics yeah. that are very different. And I want us maybe to just explore mm-hmm. yeah, what the women bring to mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. tradition of the epic yes. and also writing the nation. Yes. And I think that you already alluded to speaking to your 12-year-old. I love that you said that because my suspicion had been that the epic that of our fathers, let yes. me call it that, yes. is very much concerned with an outward journey, a, a hero's journey with the hero or the tragic hero. Yes. And they are on a quest Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. physical world. Mm -hmm. And when I read the novels, yours, First Woman, Shindu, but also The Old Drift and The House of Stone, I do sense a kind of inward journey Mm -hmm. that in its excavation of the inward expanse Mm -hmm into yes the family the lineage but eventually the nation the the continent there is multiple ways of getting to nation it's not only this kind of masculinist way yeah they they call it the libidinous the libidinous thrust Yes, absolutely. You remember when you're reading a book and you just, what happens next? What happens what next? Happens next? You know, as leading to the end. Right. Going somewhere, yeah. the destination yeah. being the, 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 the central thing. thing. Yeah. But here we send something else, the yeah. texture the of the journey yeah. itself mm-hmm. is so capacious. Yes. It's such a gift yeah. that. It feels like, and I always say I, I read uh, works such as yours as oracle cards. Sometimes I'll yes. just open a random page and read it and take the message for the day from, from that page because it's so textual mm-hmm. and it's so inward that it essentially speaks to something within me. I'd yeah. like to hear your, your views about this, the epic that that is kind of committed to the interior, mm-hmm. to interiority, mm-hmm. to intimacy, mm-hmm. to collectivity, mm-hmm. to the communal, to the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, first of all, if you look back in our history, mm-hmm. uh, much of the literature that came out early in the 50s, 60s was written by mostly men. Yeah. And they had been influenced by Western texts. And they were speaking to the empire, again, colonization. And they, these men had studied there. The yes. Yes. Had, yeah. They had no, apart from the 
oral traditions. They had no one else to compare their books to. So they, they were doing the same that white people were, had been doing, or the texts that they were told mm-hmm. in school were doing. And then our mothers came around in the 70s and said, hang on a minute. You're talking about the colonizer being terrible and horrible, mm-hmm. but let's talk about you, yeah. you know. And they, you know, and there was, come on, join us. We need to get rid of the colonizer. Yes. You know, you just, you know, and there was that, they disrupted it, you know. And so we have now come on and looked at what our mothers did. Yes. Yeah. Because then we had the, privilege and the luxury of reading the early um, African writers, then reading our mothers, sitting on top of the pile of books, learning and saying, oh, what can I write? Because those women literally picked up a machete and cut the the jumble that was feminist writing. You know, there was no path. But now we have come along and, you know, it's quite com- a little comfortable to to do what we do. So we can afford to linger, to look around us. And, and remember, there's also that absence of our stories or our taking part into history. And remember they used to say we African women are custodians of culture. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> and, and somehow we were missing in the production of culture. Yes. Because that's what the novel is. It's it's a cultural production. Absolutely. And so we are like, okay, let's now talk about this culture that we are yeah. um custodian of. And therefore you can't help compare to what the men did. You mm-hmm. compare to what our literary mothers did and therefore look at the gaps, you know, everything that is missing, yes. you know, and start and, and talk about that. And one of the things that you have pointed out is all the novels you've talked mentioned were historical novels. Yes. The Gift and... Um, House of Stone, Wells of a Hundred Wells of Cigars. Yes. Yeah, from Ghana. It's like, okay, we need to go back Mm -hmm. and write ourselves or excavate ourselves and how we joined in the nation building. We are enjoying this journey as we do it. Yeah. Okay. But we also have a lot of information on our hands in terms of discovering history, you know. So there's no there's no major reason to hurry the reader to the end of the novel. You want to say, can you imagine what I found? Did you know this? You know, look at that. But at the same time, enjoy the language. Yes. You know, as you go along. Because the language is the train. But if you're going somewhere, you must enjoy the cynical, the cynical, exactly. So this is what most of African women are doing, you know, because of the luxury we have been awarded by the earlier writers. Mm, I love that. I love that you center the intergenerational oh, kind of unbelievable continuity. continuity. Yeah, oh. I, actually, I met Ama Asaidu. Oh. 
before she died. Can I show off a little bit? Please do. And, I, and I, I believe I sat down at her feet and it just brought up and say, this is one of the women who made it possible mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. It didn't just tell me leave the Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I see you doing something very important mm-hmm. in this novel, using storytelling mm-hmm. to show us the many ways vectors of power affect our everyday lives. Yes. Race, patriarchy, yes. tribalism, yes. capitalism. Mm-hmm. But I think what makes this novel exciting for me, what makes it stand out is the way in which it brings to the fore something that we don't talk enough about. Mm-hmm. And that is the formation of the nuclear family with with the with the makings of capital and the moving to yes. the city. Yes. 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 There's something here that locates the rural context in a particular way that, yes. that has us see, for instance, Shiravel struggle mm-hmm. or non-struggle yeah. with her upset mother. Yes. When she's in the rural context, this does not come up a lot because yeah. she is deeply loved, deeply wanted, yeah, yeah. deeply belonging, yeah. and she's treasured and adored. Yes. By the whole village. By the whole village. By the whole village, by the family. She she gets the love yes. that she needs. Yes. There's abundance there. Mm-hmm. It's only when she moves to Kampala to the city that yes. she feels the gap yes. of that absenteeism. Yes. There's, there's, yes. there's a scarcity about the yes. city. The yes. city provides other forms of abundance mm-hmm. that are materialistic. Yeah, absolutely. But there's something that's relationally finished yeah. about yes. the city. Yes. That's where the word finished. Yeah, that's that's when she starts to see this gap. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the rural context offers that abundance, but it also has its own lack. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Do you yeah, want yeah. to speak to that? This um, uh, the nuclear family, yes. the city, the rural area, and. Abundance and scarcity, the paradox of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was really um, interested in that. Mm -hmm. Um, One is how she takes it all for granted. You know, Mm -hmm. that she walks down the road and so and so is where you're going, yeah, what are you doing? You know, so and so across the road. You know, so when somebody dies and the whole village is going for the Barrier. She's like, oh my god, I'm free, I'm free. So she, but um, but she's aware that she's loved. That if if she walks down the road, she will be fed. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows she's got down the road, you know. And I, I I just wanted to show that there've always been that idea of a child not belonging to a mom and dad, but belonging to the wider family. But the child not just belonging to the family, but belonging to the whole village and everybody contributing to your growing up, you know. And and the child doesn't realize this fully until they put her in the car to leave for boarding school, mm-hmm. and the city is just not away. 
because she knows had it happened in in a village, everybody would have been there. Big the farewells. Yes, so people contribute to money and whisper her wishes. And you know, yes. it was all there. And then she looked around and said, I could have died mm. in this city. Nobody wouldn't, wouldn't care. But at the same time, the city had offered her luxury. Right. And she didn't need to work. There was a maid. And also there were appliances, Mm -hmm. you know, to to make life a lot easier. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this wealth is ephemeral, you know. When they have to leave the house, she realizes that her father's wealth has been able to be put on a bun, a lorry, and packed off. No, her grandfather it's quantifiable. Mm. It was it, it was just unbelievable because her grandfather's wealth was not in this Western idea of all. It was in his children. That was his biggest wealth. Then he was in the relationship with the village. That was his wealth. Then he had cows and land and whatever. But that was and then Joe starts to see. But what I wanted to show is that there was a movement at a certain level in Africa when we moved away from traditional ideas of wealth to Western ideas of wealth. Yes. So because the grandfather, even though he's a little educated, embraces traditional wealth, yeah. but the, the Chilago's dad just goes middle class, Western middle class, and he drives a car and wears a suit and then he speaks English. All that is seen as well, you know, by the people in the village. But it's until Chilago witnesses this and realizes, oh my God, my grandfather's work. But that is so much later. When she arrived in the city, she was like, oh, this is it. I've made it. Mm, I made it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So if I just wanted to to talk to Africans about this nature of wealth. Yeah. Because it's not it doesn't stop with the village and the city. Mm-hmm. It is also between Africa and the West. Mm-hmm. And the way we are immigrating mm-hmm. to the West is the similar way people who are immigrating to the city. Because in Uganda, you go to the village and somebody has a small house, you know, but it's on, it's on his land. He doesn't pay rent. Right. And, and they can all food. Mm. They don't go hungry, you know, and they, they don't realize how lucky they are. Mm. It's until you arrive in Britain and then you realize, okay, especially middle class people, I had wealth in Africa. Mm. You know, that house was mine. Yes. That land was mine. I think I realized when uh, my ex-husband had a house and then he said, I need to pay rent for the land. I said, what do you mean? How, how can you own a house and not and the, the land? land. It's and then he said, yeah, in Britain we don't. You own a building. I said, how? How? You know, I, I just I just could you know, and then I would go back home and look at my sisters and my brothers and the wealth they had in terms of land and, and, and properties. And I thought it's similar to the way my grandfather lived in the village and his son migrated to the city and pretended to be rich 
It's the same way I immigrated to Britain and pretended to be rich. That was one of the things that I wanted to bring attention to yeah. in terms of Chilago moving, moving from the village, which was expansive. Mm-hmm. And when you see her walking down the road, the sky is wide open, yeah. the smells, the sights, and she owns it. She owns that space. <laughs> it's hers. Yeah. And then she arrives in the city and she's limited to the house. She doesn't own the street. She only goes outside to look at it. But also, when she goes to her father's house, she doesn't belong as well. Right. You know, that she, the a city was hospital. Experience also of, of relations and relationality because her mother, Thomas yeah. Newark, yes. Who in the real areas would have just been no, but now she's stepmother. She stepmother. And love these kind of new experiences of alienation. Yeah, whereas in the rural area she had Suta and her yeah. grandmother yes. and Diva. And yes. These are all just mothers. Mothers and her aunt. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that. I really I felt that. And I think it's a important cautionary tale um, when we critique these um, structures of power, we always talk about a lovelessness. We always say, uh, you know, colonial modernity, it's just marked by this lovelessness um, but we 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 don't unpack it at that level of mm-hmm. what the nuclear family mm-hmm. and the formation of it has brought upon Africans. Uh, yes. Um, we at the same time, speak of community. I don't know if you've heard. We are we are now very invested in the project of community. community. Who's my community? And uh, I'm hanging out with my community. Yeah. But we are also coming to it as if we are inventing something new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While yes. there's a century so, yeah. of community par excellence yes. yeah. that we can yeah. draw from. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I know that feminism is moving back to not me and my child, I can do it, but me and my sisters and my mother, you know, bringing back, uh, you know, our children. And in a way, I felt that this is where feminism had failed because if you look at what Insulta does, Mm. she is saying, hang on a minute. I have knowledge, feminist knowledge. But it was passed on to me by my grandmothers who were slave wives. And they passed on this knowledge mm-hmm. and I've acted on it. And I need to pass it on mm-hmm. to someone else to take it in the future, whether to discard as aspects and add on what is relevant and what is uh, new. You know, because this is where we are failing as feminists. The, the, the patriarchy has got its roots. Tentacles. Yeah. You know, when a, ch- a son is born, you know, even a grandmother goes in and says, you are a man, you'll yes. be a warrior, you'll be this, you'll be this, you know. But the daughter is like, oh, you bring no more So we have not started to find structures in which I can pass on 
my knowledge, yes. the ones I got from my grandmother, from my grandmother, from those grandmothers, and pass it on to my child mm-hmm. and say, my daughter or my niece, and say, look here, this is who we are, this is what we are. Mm-hmm. However, this I got from far away. You know, see what you can do with it. But also, before you leave, pass it on to somebody, mm-hmm. you know. And I think this is why now we are looking for the community. Because that's where all that knowledge is located, yeah. you know. So for a time being, we went with Western feminism. Yeah. Now we are like, oh, mm, maybe it doesn't work very perfectly. Right. And so we, we, we're going back, which is wonderful. Mm, it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's the thing. There's something called national amnesia. Yeah. We pretend that we don't know. But start talking about it, and you hear a woman there saying this, a woman there saying this, and woman there saying this. And if Africa is in conversation with itself, yes. oh, we will be fine. Yes, I love what you're saying about intergenerational transmission in deep time. Yes. Right? It's yes. just like I think it extends on, on the notion of an inward journey yes. um, that will lead us to different genealogies. Yes. If we look outside to, let's say, there will always be an inauguration of the feminist movement, mm-hmm. not as a lived praxis mm-hmm. or lived everyday life of women since before we can mark the beginning, when we go in what we find that it's just, it keeps going back and back and we find names for it. Yes. And I think that's what you do really well in the novel, that within the structure of the rural context, you are able to bring out different gender relations that are so, 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 so important. Yes, yes. And I'd like for you if it's not too much to ask for because there's something that myth does in the novel that is just so potent Mm -hmm. um the idea of the first woman yes of the original state yes of and perhaps touching on something i call the black echo yeah, uh, eco for ecological. So it's okay. like eco, eco critical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The black echo that kind of just speaks to different relations with with the ecosystem, with yeah, yeah, yeah. with with the land and the elements and so mm-hmm. forth. Mm-hmm. This idea of 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 women being from or related to mm-hmm. the water mm-hmm. is so vital, and I want to hear you speak a little bit to it. You know, we have all kinds of Water spirits that are women yeah, yeah, across yeah, yeah, yeah. Southern Africa. Oh, yeah. Mamlambo, Mamlambo, Juzu, Nyami Nyami, Mamiwata. Oh, Mamiwata. Yeah. What can we make of that? Because it's we are not talking about that enough, mm-hmm. precisely because we are in a civilization that has desacralized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sites, site, yeah. Oh, land, ocean, yeah. water, yeah. it's all desegregated. Yeah. It's just commodity. It's commodity. Oh, we must yeah. extract. Yeah. Right. Um, and we've forgotten that mm-hmm. we are part of land. That, we, that uh, when you go past the river, mm-hmm. there are nutrients in that river mm-hmm. that flow in your blood. Mm-hmm. That when you go past a mountain, mm-hmm. there are aspects of that mountain that are in you. Mm-hmm. That when you go past an animal, 
there are aspects of that animal that is. So basically, you are all your environment. Mm-hmm. It's not something that that was put there for you right. to rule yes. and, and to reign over uh, as we believe, but it's in you, it made you, yeah. you know. So uh, this is why for me it was important to have land mm-hmm. and sea. Yes. Yeah, and, and then see how we relate to those, you know. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, for a long time, women were not allowed to own properties, anything of the land. Obviously, it, it, it seemed that they were perceived as coming from the sea. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you can see all the signs, you know. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe you could find an apple. Well, I love that. I love coaches, you know. And it was just an invitation to any reader to say, okay, how do we relate women? towards her in in our culture you know but in one in, and this is why you see Nsuta telling her you know because what Nsuta is doing in this book is introducing this little girl to indigenous feminisms from a b c right. no not just out of the blue he said what's the polytype Women wear this, and men wear this, mm-hmm. and that mess mm-hmm. happened. You know, so that, you know, because that's the best way to learn and understand. Yes. You know. It was important for me as well to say to my reader, go back, go back to right. grandmother's ABC. All these things are there. They are not just in my culture. Yeah. I am sure if you looked in yeah. your culture, you find oh, yeah. similar stories, Absolutely. you know, but um, but you just cannot go forward mm-hmm. without taking land and water right. with you. You just cannot, because then how do you exist? I love that it is also the what you call ABC and what Insuta tells Shirabo is essentially creation. How do we as a people understand how we came to well, be, how we came, how to, be. we came to be off this land, yes. off this water yes. that um, that we now are a part of? So it's yeah. it's it's in that in that sense a definition of cosmology. This is our cosmology. Yes. Yes. Cosmology is creation stories and relationships. Absolutely, of being and understanding yes. self in relation yes. to everything else. How is it that wherever you go, whichever culture you go to, mm-hmm. there's a fast woman, mm-hmm. there's a fast man. Exactly. You know, and this is where we come from. Mm-hmm. And this is how, and it's always relating you to the land mm-hmm. because we must always find a way we relate ourselves to the land. Mm-hmm. But also, Nsuta is, at one point she says, and then we owned, we, we started to, animals, those that we want to eat, we own, and those that we date, we, to show Chilabu that do not be arrogant just because you're human, you know, yes. because what men did to us, mm-hmm. we did to animals first, you know, so because there's a way, because of the Western knowledge mm-hmm. that we have developed this idea of human exceptionalism. Yeah, of course. <laughs> 
We are the center of the world. Oh, it will take around <laughs> despite everything we see in animals mm. that remind us of ourselves. Mm. If you look at most literature, whenever we use a metaphor, mm. we go into nature. Because where else? Yes. Where yes. else can we go? And, and so Nsuta is very, very clear that you are not this important. Mm. You are part of this nature. And you better look at it. And then she shows her how colonization, because of the arrival of a single black coffee, or if you look outside the window here, look at the different types of diversity. But you can cut it and just have pineapples. Yeah. And one crop. What? Absolutely. Shambas and shambas. But you have no idea what type of murder you've committed. Because you've missed the scale of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you've not only got rid of plants. You've got rid of the tiny animals Mm -hmm. and the little insects. Mm -hmm. You know. But we were just not aware. So... There's this idea of indigenous ways mm. of knowing. Yes. The child is going to school mm. and she's going to learn ways of knowing in terms of the cerebral, the wonderful from the West. Right. But she needs her grandmother's knowledge. Absolutely. To understand herself, to understand her work. Yeah. And probably to understand the knowledge she's gotten from um, yes, and be able to approach it critically, not just imbibe it as, as yeah. the truth. Yeah. Here we go, folks. This is the first woman, indigenous forms of feminisms, indigenous ecological relations, and much, much more. I highly recommend this book for everybody. Please go get yourself and copy. Jennifer, thank you so much. Oh, it's thank you. I was so amazed. I was just beginning. I did enjoy the best. Thank you for showing how much you enjoyed this book. Oh, so, my goodness, I'm energized. <laughs> we can talk three more hours, <laughs> but we have to stop here. Yeah. Thank you for listening, and we will see you, catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of PageCast. We love hearing from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, please contact us at pagecastpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep reading and listening.